And we are back on Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining me on this amazing evening, morning, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Um, guys, camp is starting to heat up. Uh, the Bills are getting ready to go to their dorms. And it's interesting to see the cream starting, just beginning, to rise to the top as we're expecting fireworks once the pads get on. I'm expecting these rookies to really start showing out um, and give these veterans a run for their money. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about some camp sleepers, and then I want to finish it off with a brief outlook, uh, <laughs> very early premature outlook, on who I believe the division winners will be in the AFC this year. And yeah, so let's jump right into it. First person I want to talk about today, um, listen, if, if history has shown anything about the Bills, especially most recently, they have been able to be similar to what you've seen in the past with a team like the Boston Celtics. I know we're talking about basketball. But you just get a notion that whenever the Bills get a veteran that's trying to turn his career around, they tend to find a way to fit him in the system and dig the gold out of him. So the camp sleeper I want to talk about is Tavon Austin. For some reason, I just get this notion that it was meant to be. You know, um, I think for the last couple of years, the Bills have been wrestling with this idea of making Isaiah McKenzie, you know, part of the future with the Buffalo Bills. And I think what made them hesitate is, is that what if, if they put too much on his plate, then what happens when he gets injured and there's no one to fill that void, right? And, and I think this is what the Bills have finally figured out. They need gadget guys. <laughs> Josh Allen knows how to get them involved, knows how to elevate them. You saw, obviously, Isaiah McKenzie's play against New England which was absolutely amazing, um, historical in my opinion. And you look at, imagine having, well not imagine, but we're going to see what that threat is going to be like times two, right? Having fresh legs out there, drive in, drive out with Tavon Austin and Isaiah McKenzie sharing these reps. It's good, especially for a playoff run. I don't think you really want to have a situation where you don't have um, enough gadget guys for very difficult defenses. You need to be able to stretch the field. And, I mean, you look at what the Chiefs did, right, with Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman. Right when you think you have everyone wrapped up, McCole Hardman comes in the game and steamrolls you and rips you for like 80 yards. That's the kind of threat I think the Bills are trying to replicate with this Bills offense. That's why he's one of my sleepers. And my second sleeper, and like I know, um, look, he's going to make the roster, right? I understand that. But what, what I mean by sleeper is a guy that is going to really help elevate this team, right? And on the defensive side of the football, I have a feeling that we are going to really see Kyer Elam pop off and have an amazing camp and be ready to roll come week one. I think it's an absolute priority for Leslie Frazier, right, to get this kid ready. They know 
at the end of the day, it, this isn't going to be a week one thing. This is going to be a thing where he's going to have to be ready all the way through up until week seven to really take the majority of these reps, most likely at CB1. I would be very surprised if they put him at CB2. I don't have the utmost confidence in Dane Jackson, although there is continuity there for him to be able to compete with these super athletic, fast, you know, top tier talent guys. I think you just give the rookie a shot. And I think that's why I'm calling him a sleeper. I think he's going to steal that role. And it's going to be a massive and amazing compliment to having Tredavious White on the other side. All right. And, and I want to keep running with the defense for my third sleeper here. I have another one after this, but I just feel as though, you know, the absence of Jordan Poyer has opened the eyes wide open to a guy like DeMar Hamlin. Here's a guy coming out of Pittsburgh, very gritty, right? We saw what he was able to do um, coming out of Pittsburgh and had a few times to play last season, but it wasn't, uh, it weren't, points in the game where you just felt as though he was ready to start but I feel that just seeing this whole drama unfold throughout the offseason really made him motivated to basically steal the spotlight for as long as he can and this is why I have him as a sleeper as well because if I'm DeMar Hamlin right I know I am the number two and I am gonna beat out so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely number two I'm gonna be out Jaquan Johnson right and Sean McDermott drafted me to fill the void that's going to be there in the future. And this is what Sean McDermott foresaw, right? He had to have, and so did Brandon Bean. You can't keep everyone absolutely happy. Um, there has to be some kind of compromise when it comes to a just a family business, I guess you could call it, because that's what this Bills team feels like. There are your cornerstone guys, and then there are your guys that basically help hold up those cornerstones as far as being able to elevate this team into the next level. And I feel that that's kind of the unfortunate circumstance that Jordan Poyer is in right now, not because he didn't play well enough. It's strictly because of his age. We have seen time and time again how older players get hurt, teams move on from them, and I don't know if you guys ran into that interview with Wyatt Teller, but it was very interesting just recently. He said, there's a personal side to the business and then there's, you know, just the business side to the business. And it's very cut and dry. And Wyatt Teller spoke about how Sean McDermott loves him. Five weeks or three weeks later, I think it was, after the Bills had to cut him, he, he called in and checked in on him to see how he was doing. This was the same guy that, that that released him, right? Or excuse me, traded him. And you have a situation now where DeMar Hamlin is, is looking at, you know, possible, possibly writing on the wall with Jordan Poyer. I had to do some real digging on this situation. And, and I, I don't want to like just completely highlight DeMar Hamlin and, and, you know, make this a big deal. It's just more about trying to understand the business side of what's going on here and how it's going to affect the team and how I think it's going to elevate these players to try to work harder for a void that's on the roster right now. Drew Rosenhaus, make no mistake, was the guy that forced the Kansas City Chiefs to trade Tyreek Hill. I don't know if anyone saw 
the podcast where Tyreek basically rips everyone that was um, near and dear to him in Kansas City. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes, and I'm talking about Andy Reid. And you go back, and, and it's so interesting to hear how the business unfolded, right? On one side, you have Tyreek saying, well, you know, I, I didn't want that much money. I just, you know, I just believed I deserved to be paid. We all know what the number was. It just made no sense to me he didn't settle for it, right? He wanted the most money possible because he knew his career eventually was, you know, he was going to start showing signs of he's going to get slower, and when he gets slower, what else does he have to his game, right? And and I think you look at a guy like Jordan Poyer hiring Drew Rosenhaus at the end of his career. He wants, I believe, a three- to four-year deal. But on the other hand, I'm not going to sit here and believe that Drew Rosenhaus is possibly not trying to push a trade. I spoke about this before. If Jordan Poyer does not get his money in Buffalo, he will damn sure get it somewhere else. Houston Texans, I don't know. It's just one of these teams that are desperate enough to try to elevate their roster however they can to compete as best as they can. The Bills were one of those teams back in the day. And, you know, I look at this situation with DeMar Hamlin. He has a tremendous upside. I think he's very aggressive. I think he's going to be, <laughs> I think he's very coachable from what I've seen from interviews and and the progression he had throughout his college career. It's, it's just opportunity at this point. And I know I went into this soliloquy, but we had to talk about this because DeMar Hamlin is at center stage right now. So is Jaquan Johnson. But I have a feeling that there is a better and, 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 and more stronger it factor with a guy like DeMar Ham- Hamlin than there is with uh, Jaquan Johnson. Everyone knows Jaquan Johnson hits hard. That's fine. But if we've seen time and time again, that's not necessarily all that the Bills are looking for at that position. They're looking for someone who can read what the heck is happening when, when plays start to get a little complicated to read on the offensive side. Fourth, I have Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir was the number one wide receiver for Boise State, and they relied on him heavily to get their offense rolling. I just feel as though this offense is almost catered to a guy like him. The Bills are going to pass the living heck out of this football. And eventually, Josh Allen's going to have to go to his third read, and I have a feeling that Khalil Shakir is going to pop off. Now, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to step over Jamison Crowder, right? I'm really not. Fact is, you can't sit here and tell me that you're not thinking about a guy like Sam Darnold not being able to develop, a guy like Zach Wilson having a rough year. A lot of quarterbacks had to go through the Jets, but I believe that a wide receiver elevates a quarterback's play should elevate a quarterback's play just as much as a quarterback can elevate their play. I don't believe that Sam Darnold is absolutely terrible. I just think that he he didn't really get a good shot at developing in the situation he was in. He didn't have a number one receiver. He didn't have a go-to guy that was able to bail him out 
like Josh Allen had with Stephon Diggs. And so I'm comparing the two, Jamison Crowder and Khalil Shakir, and why I'm I'm not necessarily stepping over him. I really do believe that Jamison Crowder can have an effect on this team. But I'm saying in this camp, I have a feeling that Khalil Shakir is going to outshine him. He has the attributes you look at when you're trying to basically figure out how to attack the middle of the field. He has the it factor that you're looking for to get separation, right? Figure out the option route and catch the ball in a position that is beneficial to the quarterback. I think he has great hands. I think he has very good instincts. And I think he's going to shine. I just I, I just feel like he's Robert Woods 2.0. And this offense is literally catered to a guy like him to pop off. And it's going to be so great to see. And I'm super excited. All right, so let's get into part B of this podcast real quick. So I just wanted to go through a rough draft here. And look, it's it's going to get more, more refined, obviously, as time goes on and, and transactions continue to happen. You never know what happens with you know, trades even before the season begins. And we start seeing, you know, guys either, you know, go get lackadaisy, right? You know, and it can easily change the stock of a team. But let's begin here with early AFC division winners. AFCs, let's just begin and get this out of the way. We know the Bills are going to dominate. Um, they are primed and ready for a Super Bowl run. And I have the Dolphins actually outlasting the Pats here, possibly squeezing into the wild card. Um, And I got Pats at third, got Jets fourth. I don't see any movement from Bill Belichick. (laughs) I I don't see any transaction that makes me say this team is still a league better, right? A step higher than the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins took a strong and huge leap ahead of them. And... I think Tyreek Hill definitely puts them over the top. I think you don't, you know, shun the Pats because they will be very competitive with Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker did wonders for Tua Tagovailoa on third down. But I just feel that they got the juice now. <laughs> and, and they are going to be quick. They're going to be nasty. They're going to be really annoying to play against. They may even take one away from Buffalo. But it's... Going to be interesting to see how these two teams battle each other out as I have Dolphins second, Pats third in the division, then I have the Jets. All right, let's get on to the next hot topic here in the AFC West. I have the Raiders winning this division. I think the Raiders have been on the cusp for the last couple of years. Injuries have plagued them. <clears throat> Off-season issues have also plagued them. But I feel like this is their year to have almost a, a, a coming-of-age type type of a season that their fans have been waiting for forever, right? They've sacrificed so much. They have done everything they can to make sure they stay competitive in this division, and I think they took it over the top when they traded for Devontae Adams. If people think that... <laughs> I get the Jones signing. Don't get me wrong. Max, But Max Crosby and those boys were getting it done last year. They're doing a great job getting pressure on the quarterback. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that this division 
is not shaking in their boots knowing that they have to face Devontae Adams twice a year, you're crazy. We're going to figure out the chicken or the egg thing, right, <laughs> when the season gets going. And But what I have seen from Devontae Adams, even early in his career, is a guy that knows how to get separation, knows how to beat a defense deep, and makes plays when you need it the most. From what I see right now, the only other team in this division that has that guy at wide receiver are the Los Angeles Chargers, whom I actually have third, going third to the Chiefs at second. I think the continuity in Kansas City overall is going to really help them to stay competitive. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to show a lot of people that he can adjust. He is, an, he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, but, you know, I, I just look at this division as a whole, right? Whoever wins this division, it comes down to their quarterback having that key connection with a number one top receiver. And that is why I have the Raiders number one, Chiefs second, Chargers third, and then I have the poor Broncos at fourth. I just feel that they're trying their absolute best to stay competitive, but they still have a lot of holes to fill. I think Randy Gregory and um, you know Bradley Chubb are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But it would, it would shock me, seriously, if they stun this division. It would shock me. It just, it, I just don't feel as though they're on the rise. I feel like they kind of have plateaued as a franchise, and they're going to have to figure out a way to truly reboot that really benefits their team. I don't think Jerry Judy really has that it factor that's going to take this team over the top either. I think he's a solid wide receiver. Um, but yeah, that's where I have the AFC West right now. AFC North. Um, this was hard. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Um, but I got to go with the Bengals again. I think they are, they are the most complete team, if not the most complete team in the AFC, aside from the Buffalo Bills. And they are going to give everyone this season a run for their money every single game. Their defense is stout. Their offensive line has been bolstered. Jamar Chase is a monster. Joe Burrow is as cool as it gets, and he knows how to lead a football team. It's, it's just as simple as that. And their coaching staff, you can't make up how efficient they have been and how opportunistic they were, and more importantly, how intelligent they were to figure out a way to get this team out of a rut that could have lasted another 10 years and get them into the Super Bowl. You can't make that up. So I got them at number one. Ravens at number two because of Lamar Jackson. Um, I think that Lamar Jackson is a player that can elevate anyone on his team. Does he have to throw the ball more efficiently? Yes. Did he have several drops from Hollywood Brown last year? Yes. We're going to see what this kid out of Arkansas can do. They didn't exactly just leave a big fat void at that position. They got a kid, I believe it's Traylon Burks, who I believe is going to really pop off and is going to have some fun playing with Lamar Jackson. I think, um, you know, it, a lot of people don't give him credit. I think what's happening to him is asinine as far as the contract situation. But you give credit where it's due. He's a former MVP. He changed the league and forced teams to understand they need to get faster at the linebacker position and more agile at the defensive line. Third, I have the Browns. Fourth, I have the Steelers. 
Yeah. It was hard. You know, I, I really think that the Steelers have a very stout defense. Don't get me wrong, but it's a big gamble to go with this picket kid out of Pittsburgh. I don't think he's going to develop overnight. I think it's going to be a two to three year project thing. Um, we're going to see how much of a smaller hand uh, has a hand in winning games for them. But uh, I will say proof is in the pudding right now. Um, Baker Mayfield is still a Cleveland Brown. You can't completely, absolutely count them out. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But that's where I have them ranked right now. of The Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers. Finishing off here with the AFC South. So the AFC South is one of those divisions that stifle <laughs> everyone, yet don't really know how to get it done when the big show happens. So... I'm just going to read it off real quick, and then I'll get into why. Colts, I got them winning the division. Tennessee, have them second. Jacksonville takes another step forward at third. And then the Texans um, just are stuck at the bottom of the pit, as usual. Uh, Look, Matt Ryan is probably going to be one of the most interesting quarterbacks to watch this year. Reason why is because he has had a horrible situation in Atlanta before coming to coming to the Colts and signing or excuse me getting traded that basically derailed his career and after Dan Quinn lost the Super Bowl everything just went haywire and went to crap there goes his career he should have left a long time ago I've always been a fan of Matt Ryan hated going against him always have always will now he's in the AFC and you know I think if you put him in at quarterback instead of Carson Wentz last year, I do believe they get in the wild card. They make a lot of noise, possibly beat the Bills and the Chiefs, lose to the Bengals, and it would have went just like that. I have that much respect for him as a quarterback in this league. I really do think that he knows how to command, and you know he's just a great leader. Um, brings the best out of players and allows players to bring the best out of him. A lot of respect for him. He has he was a stand-up guy his whole career in Atlanta. That's why I have him there. I think the Titans are... Look, it was hard to pick the Titans over the Jacksonville Jaguars just because I felt as though... <clears throat> they're becoming dysfunctional. I think they're beginning to unravel. The injuries have crept up on them. The quarterback position has become a nuisance. And... Malik Willis is now probably in the most horrible situation a quarterback could be in to begin his career. Having to possibly um, back up a guy who is an absolute douche to you before you even step foot in the building. Unbelievable. I unfortunately have them there just because you know how dangerous Derrick Henry can be. Um, they made, They still made acquisitions. They still... Uh, you know, kept up to par with what they needed to fill for their offense. But moving on here, Jacksonville made a lot of interesting moves. Christian Kirk, um, I think that Trevor Lawrence makes a big step forward. I think the kid out of Georgia is going to have a really strong, um, just a really strong career uh, coming off the edge for him and really solidifying that defense, helping out their Josh Allen. Um, and, you know, that's just where I have them right there. I think they have, obviously, DJ Shark uh, is is an absolute monster. They have... Guys who can get it done. It's just how they're going to put it together. Travis Etienne, 
a guy we always wanted, we all wanted to go to the Bills, finally gets his year to start. Does he pop off? I think he does. I think it's just going to take him a little. They're going to be a little too late figuring it out in the season. Finally got them at uh, the Texans at fourth. Um, <laughs> nothing really to speak about there. Good luck to Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. But um, look, the the AFC right is a conference that has become an absolute powerhouse. It has become the the uh, Western Conference, if you will, <laughs> in the NBA of the NFL. Uh, of those years where you know they were dominating for so long, and and here we go, right? Um, the Bills have their work cut out for them. They have to really develop these young guys. I really hope they do. Have a lot of faith in them. It's going to be an interesting um, camp to follow. But ladies and gentlemen, this was another episode of Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host Steve Vega. To all the veterans and first responders, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do for our communities. Stay strong out there. Um, always keep them in your prayers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, they're, they're out there risking their lives, sacrificing times, time away from their family. Um, and yeah, guys, thank you again for joining me. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and go Bills. <laughs>